Welcome to A Tribe Called Yes, the podcast that brings you closer to the world's most notorious risk takers, trailblazers, and enemies of the status quo. Now, here's your host, Darren K. Roberts. Alrighty, Tribe, welcome back. Glad you could make it this week. So here's a typical path. Borderline high school student turned hair and makeup stylist turned college student turned Truman Scholar. You're about to hear the story of Zoraima Palaez, a woman who went from barely graduating from high school, and I do mean barely, to nabbing the prestigious Truman Scholarship. If you don't believe in second chances, then this is the episode for you. Next week, we're going to release the second part of this conversation with Zoraima. But for now, lace up your running shoes and get ready to say yes with Zoraima Palaez. So let's say we caught you on a day that you were in school because mm-hmm. you skipped a little school and we walked into your English class and pulled you out and said, Zoraima, what do you want to be when you grow up? I would tell you I have no idea because mm-hmm. I didn't think about any of that when I was in high school. I had no five-year plan, much less a 10-year plan. I I didn't even have like a five-week plan. <laughs> it was like, we're just going day to day. My life was very... Um, not structured at that point. I used to stay at different friends' houses every night. So when a kid doesn't have, you know, when is is housing insecure and not, and that was almost by choice. My parents would have welcomed me in. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, I didn't feel. Um, I felt like I was always code switching when I would switch back and forth from my my life with my parents and my uh, Latino family, and then the friendships that I had, and those were like largely predominantly with like white families. Um, so I think at that point, I just kind of grew accustomed to being insecure um, in in my own surroundings and bouncing from place to place. So it was like, what's going to, what is tonight going to bring? Like, where am I going to be tonight? Uh, what clothes am I going to wear tomorrow? Rather mm-hmm. than, you know, oh, am I, am I going to be um, a lawyer when I grow up or a doctor. And what's funny is when I was a little girl, there's a video of me saying I would be a lawyer when I grow up and now I plan on attending law school. But in between that totally like went away. How old were you when you shot that video? And I was probably you? like 10 years old or something. So somewhere talk about, so you moved around from house to house of friends, houses. Mm-hmm. Was it, I guess just from a like logistical standpoint, did you have a suitcase of stuff that you no, I just kind of would take what I had and borrow a friend's clothes. And hmm. it started because my parents divorced when I was younger, and um, I would switch back between their houses a lot. And then when you get to high school, you have, you know, that teenage angst and rebellion, and I wanted to hang out with my friends all the time. And, you know, uh, my parents, they weren't around a lot. They had to work. They had things to do. And so they just kind of chalked it up to, well, you know, they they're good people, will let you stay with them. Um, I wasn't really given any rules either. So as a teenager, you're naturally going to push those boundaries. Uh, So yeah, and it wasn't anything that was planned. Like, I'm going to take my backpack over there and stay the night. It was like, I'm just going to stay here. One time I like ended up staying for a couple weeks and Liz Kirsch, one of my best friend's moms, bless her heart, never asked me to go home. She was always there and she always gave me food. And even when me and her daughter would get in trouble together, she never blamed me or, you know, try to single me out or anything so it it was it was welcoming too it was nice to see maybe like a structured family and so maybe that's why I stuck around a little Hmm. longer so given all that was going on you didn't make good grades you weren't that invested in high school Mm -hmm. no I didn't care at all about high school honestly um 
And maybe it was because I was scared that the next step was quickly approaching and I wasn't ready for it. And I was going to be left behind when all my friends went to college and, you know, went on uh, in their accomplishments. And so I think I just I retreated more than like leaning in or stepping forward mm -hmm. at that time. I just kind of stepped I, I stepped back more. So you graduate from high school. It's what year? 2006. 2006. Walk across the stage. Barely. By the... Barely. Yeah. By the hair of my chinny chin chin. <laughs> I had to like brown nose. This is when I learned I was good at talking to people though. Because I had to brown nose my all of my professors in order to sign off on me being able to graduate because I missed so many days of class. Really? Mm-hmm. So you're... A couple of weeks before graduation, you're going around to teacher say, yeah. hey, listen, I know I wasn't here a lot. Mm -hmm. Can I do something extra credit, make up some tests? Yeah, or just cut, help me out help. here. Like, you know, I'm not a bad person when it comes down to it because I was very friendly with all of them, too. That was another thing I knew. It's like, well, if I want them to do something for me, I'm going to have to be nice to them. Hmm. So I'd bring like breakfast tacos to my teachers when I was late, you know, like... I, it was. I was operating nice. on a different wavelength in high school. <laughs> yeah, who does? Yeah, I mean, this is not like the old school Apple. I mean, you're bringing no, in breakfast tacos. Breakfast tacos. Yeah. and I knew their orders, <laughs> and I'd come in late and just be like, "Here you go," and I would make them laugh too. You know, I'd be nice and funny to them, and they would, at the end of the day, be like, "Listen, you need to get this work done." You know, like everything's funny and cool, except for it's not. Because mm. you, you need to graduate and you need this information. And so at the end, I think they saw that I was sincerely scared uh, about being, by, about staying behind. And they knew, well, you don't necessarily, it's not that I like was so terrible at my grades because I tried and tried and tried. It was like I wasn't trying, but they knew that I could retain some of this information. I think they had pity on me. Hmm. So they were like, okay, we'll let you graduate. Did you think you were smart? No, not at all. I mean, I still suffer from imposter syndrome, you know? <laughs> really? Yeah. All, all you've accomplished. Uh, I, we, somebody asked us, the Polichick, Christina Saunders, Houston, Texas, she came and she did a um, presentation at the training we had last weekend. And she said, what's your biggest fear? And she wrote ours down and, you know, she asked me and, or I rose, I raised my hand and she called on me and I said, um, not living up to my own expectations and realizing that I'd... I have imposter syndrome and that I'm just fooling everyone into thinking I'm actually really smart. <laughs> you know, how old are you now? I am 28. So I just tend to think that a lot of people are faking it anyway. And so I don't know if it's a syndrome. Maybe you're just getting better at the game we're all playing. But <laughs> don't you figure that? I mean, don't you think that? I mean, because you've seen a lot mm -hmm. in a short period of time. Don't you feel like you, the more you learn about people, you think, you know what? They seem like they have it together, but not really. Like once you kind of peel the veil back and look back there, you're like, wait, hold on. I think all people feel this way. Hmm. Like, I, and I think that's a real, because when we started going around, other people came up to me and they're like, that was my fear too. And so I was like, oh, we're all kind of in this. We all kind of feel this way. I think that's just a part of the human condition is being insecure in your strengths. Hmm. Okay, so you graduate. So you you convince your teachers with tacos and all <laughs> kinds of pleading and begging. You graduate from high school. So what is Zoraima thinking in the summer of 2006? I'm going to take the semester off. I earned it. I've always worked since I was 16. I've always worked. So I'm going to work. I'm going to make money. 
Um, I always worked in restaurants or just different odd jobs. Um, I didn't want to think about it. I didn't want to think I'm going into the fall having a plan. But then in the fall, I grew a little restless and I said, I'm going to go to ACC. I'm going to see what's ACC. It's Austin Community College. Uh, It's kind of where everyone who doesn't go to a four year university and that plans on attending college starts out because it is a great place to not incur a lot of debt and to move forward in your education. Um, But unfortunately, they also have a large rate of students who go not knowing what they want to do and end up dropping out. Um, And so that's kind of the path I went down. I went there. I made one A which was stunning to me in a psychology class. And I was like, oh, that's because I was interested in the material. Uh, And then the rest, (laughs) it was terrible grades or just not showing up or I withdrew from a lot of classes too. And in the midst of that, I thought maybe this isn't for me. I actually thought college isn't for me. It's not my thing. Um, I'm not good at it. I don't know if I have like the intellectual capabilities to make it through college unscathed. Um, So I... A friend told me, I'm going to apply for beauty school. And that kind of like turned a light on in my head. And I said, okay, um, that sounds kind of cool. My mom's a beautician. I could do that. You know, uh, my mom came over from Mexico and she never graduated college or high school. Um, and she has a really successful career doing that. And she raised us on that. So there's nothing wrong with that work. And I can make a living doing that. And that's something I know I can do because... I've had some, you know, experience watching her and people have told me, oh, you're so great at doing our hair and makeup. And I do everyone's hair for prom and stuff. So I went and I loved it. My first day, it was really, really fun. So how old are you at this at this point? I was probably 19 going on 20. So you go to beauty school, get your license. And then is your first is your first gig at a shop at a. Yeah. So I had internships while I was in beauty school at salons. Um, And I I graduate and I get my license. And um, that was a great time for me, too, because it really made me feel like I like am good at something. I was really good at that. And this was the first time I was like, I'm good at something. And other people recognize that in me. Hmm. And we all like to feel that. Right. Like that's something we need some at least a little validation. So um, I graduate and I go work in a couple shops. And uh, the first shop I really invested in and was like an apprentice in closes down in the middle of business day because the landlord and our owner were in a like legal battle over her not paying um, certain fees. And mm. they be- they both had their reasons for that. But essentially, we had to like wash clients hair out and the bank was going to foreclose on everything. So like. It was a free-for-all, like, grab your products, grab what you can. Wait, hold the on. bank's taking it at the end of the day. <laughs> Wait, what? Wait, hold yeah. on. Okay, so, so you're doing hair. It's like, what time? I was, an, I was an apprentice at that time. Okay. I was walking back from lunch, and I saw a police officer and a man who looked like the landlord because I had seen him before. And this was on South Congress where the new Kendra Scott is. So this is, like, a big spot. It's yeah. not, you yeah, know. Yeah. And I hear them talking, and I knew something sketchy was going on because I had heard, like, rumors that the bolt cutters came out this morning because we had been locked out of the salon. And it was like a Saturday. And this is like the busiest day in salons. So um, I go up and I'm like, I think something's about to go down, y'all. I heard people talking downstairs. And next thing we know, they said, y'all have an hour um, to leave the premises because this property is being foreclosed on. Um, and so it was like a free-for-all. And actually, that was when I grabbed my first airbrush machine and some makeup brushes 
which like eventually led to me doing weddings and doing makeup for weddings. And so that was kind of like serendipitous as well. But yeah, she was like, grab what you can. The bank's going to take it. You know, um, so okay, no, I'm this, not going to be able to pay you. This so. is damn interesting. Okay, so when you're looking for stuff to grab, how strategic are you being? Are you thinking in your mind, like, what what can I use to... Yeah, the first thing, because I was so interested in airbrush makeup, was the airbrush machine. And then makeup brushes. And that was it. And, you know, later it was like, well, we're going to give it back to her, but we'll just hold on to it for now. Uh, but then it, it came up like, well, I can't really pay you. So just kind of keep the stuff. <laughs> uh, it would have been the banks anyway. Yeah. Um so, yeah, I just grabbed the airbrush and the makeup stuff and then all my stuff that I had there, too, and, like, was helping other people get their stuff out. Because there was actual um, artists there, like, hair hair artists that have been there for years who had all their stuff there. And I was mm. an apprentice, so I didn't, like, have any ownership over anything, really. So it was it was kind of scary, you know. But at the same time, we were like, well, you know, whatever. How many That's stylists just... were? would you say were there? Uh, probably, like, 12 to 15, including, like, apprentice, too. So it was a huge got... salon. <laughs> you got customers. Some are under the dryer we're having like wash out their hair yeah and no one knows where they're gonna go work i felt so bad for all and and like i said i'm an apprentice like this sucks for me but wow it's like you've been here for how many years and like you don't know where you're gonna go work now and you know it was just a really bad situation and so i became disillusioned with working at a salon (laughs) so then what what do you do next um so next i go i'm at a fashion show at some point and i'm doing hair or makeup for it and i come across this amazing makeup artist who is incredible her name's maris and she's since become like a huge part of my life my mentor taught me how to run a business essentially and um she says or i ask her basically can i work for you i'll work for free i just want to learn what you do because it's beautiful and so she introduced me to the wedding industry and so shortly after that I started, she started hiring me out and living in Austin, I had an upper hand in that I had a lot of friends and family here, word of mouth got around and I started doing weddings and I got into the wedding industry. When you asked Maris, can I work for you? Mm -hmm. Were you nervous? Was it just natural? No, it was natural because she was really nice and really professional and really cool. And I emailed her later. I asked for a card and I emailed her later. Uh, and it was just an ask. And I was saying, like, I will work for free. I just want to learn from you. Um, and I think she had done it once or twice by that point, too. I trained a couple of people. And I think she knew what she wanted, like, as a vision for her future. Because now she runs, like, the best um, hair and makeup services in Austin. And she has stylists that go out and oh, represent, wow. like, their brand. Wow. And it's all people she's invested in. And I'm still one of those people. Occasionally, I'll still go out and do that with her. On the side. Yeah. You have Mm -hmm. more than 24 hours. Yeah. So I want to go back to the free gig because that's how I broke into coaching was saying, hey, I'll work for free. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like many people are comfortable doing that. Like, I think right now I'm teaching 18, 19, Mm -hmm. 20 year year olds in, in college. And it seems like everyone wants something like they're not willing to start at the ground level, grunt level. Say, hey, listen, I just want to learn from you. Why were you that way? Like, why did you? I just saw an opportunity and I said, I can work on the side. This isn't going to be an opportunity where I have to work 40 hours a week for free for you. 
you know, because then that would just be unsustainable. But I can come work on Saturdays, give my time to you. And she was giving her time to me back. So I didn't see it as a one-way transaction. I'm giving hmm. you all this thing. She was giving it back to me too. Hmm. You know, this was an interaction and this was a value to me. So I looked at the end goal and the value that I would gain uh, in learning these skills as greater than the time or the money I would monetarily or I would momentarily lose for doing this work for free. And I wanted to, you hmm. know, it was exciting to me too. I, I wanted to do it. So um, we did that for about three months. And then after that, she started hiring me out. So it, it no longer became a free thing. It became a, we invested in each other and we're moving forward. So how long do you work with her and, and, well, I still work with her. That's right. So yeah, it's, yeah this is still going on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we still see each other all the time. She wishes me best of luck in this journey I'm going on. But she's like, if you ever want to come back to makeup, we're here. Wow. Yeah. Um, so she trains me in makeup. I kind of did found my own niche in hair. Um, but yeah, I still work with her. And But after that, I stopped working with her so much because I started my own thing and okay. started taking my own clients. But I would still occasionally work with her because... I mean, everything she did for me, if I'm free, I'm going to help her out. Yeah. And it's not like I'm not getting paid either, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so talk about the decision to start your own business. and I just felt like uh, that was the only way I was going to make enough money to where I didn't have to work on the side anymore, was if I went in full time, I dove in like 100% without looking back. So I did. And um, it was really hard. And I had to learn all these things and go big. Austin has like great classes on like... Uh, starting your own business 101, you know, entrepreneurship and financing and basically everything you need to know in order to run a business legally. Um, and so I got my DBA, made my website and just started um, advertising on The Knot, which is like the largest wedding website. And it just kind of took off without me having to do much after that. Do you remember the first response you got back? So you're out there, you're, you're, making got the web page up you're advertising on the knot do you remember your first client that comes solo solo yeah it was someone i went to high school with so what does that say what does the conversation sound like uh, hey i heard you were doing hair and makeup i saw some of your photos because before that i'd worked with photographers for free to establish a portfolio hey you want to shoot somebody i'll no charge just give me the images back and i made a lot of friendships there people i'm still friends with today too these yeah. these don't stop you know like one of the photographers I worked with, uh, Tim, he is still my good friend today, even though I don't really do photography work anymore. And we keep up all like all the time. You're like the hustler of all hustlers. You're like, <laughs> so you're working with the stylist and the makeup artist and photographers and you're just bartering services and expertise. So you've got this network built up. Mm -hmm. So people are starting to feed. Yeah. I mean, I thought that was the way it was done. Right. So like we... You vert vertically integrate all across in all aspects of what you are doing. Uh, you make those relationships. And eventually you're going to get to a point where you're good and you can't do services for free anymore unless it's a project you're passionate about. But they respect that because you've worked to get there. Hmm. You know, you didn't just show up and say, like, actually, you need to give me $200 right now or I'm not going to do it. It's like, no, I'll work with you. We'll collaborate together. And when you collaborate with someone creatively, like, that also gives you this special, like, relationship that where you understand each other a little more, I feel like. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, we did that. And uh, I guess it just kind of snowballed. I, 
wasn't ever, I had to like to do this every week. And this is when I started getting organized and I started having goals and I had to achieve those goals by certain dates. And I forgot if I read like 20 self-help books or if I just went to all these other classes, but I just dove in 100% because I thought I have to do this in order for me to be successful. Like in order for me to make money to pay my rent doing this full time, I need to give it my all. Because at this point, you're, you are your sole provider. This is. Mm -hmm. I've always been my sole provider since I was old enough, but, um, at this point, I'm not having an extra job on the side that pays hourly. This is just what I'm doing, you know. You eat what you kill. So yeah. at the height, how many customers, like what kind of, you don't have to go through like revenue numbers mm-hmm. if you, unless you want to, but like, <laughs> like how, how successful were you? Like how did you feel? I felt great. I've, I, I won multiple awards, um, one on that's based on how brides review you. So people that go out of their way to give you a good review and to talk, to speak highly of you on this website. And I think that is what triggered like the wave of people coming in mm. when, I mean, what's the first thing we look at when we go see if we're going to eat somewhere, right. the reviews, like stars, right? Yeah. yeah. And brides, if they're going to trust you with this one special important day where you got to show up and there's no calling in sick, like you have to be highly reviewed. You have to great, you have to have a great website. You have to have great pictures and they meet you in person. They need to be able to trust you and like you. And so I think um, winning that award with The Knot and then also um, there was one at the Austin Fashion Week, too. Um, (laughs) It was like a voting-based award as well. Um, I think those things and me just fully diving into it, people could see that. It just propelled it and it grew. And I mean, to this day, I can't even tell you so many hundreds of brides that I've worked with. Um, I want to talk about this. I want you to tell us a horror story. Because this is the most important day mm-hmm. in the life of the bride mm-hmm. and the groom. Up until that point, most of the Up time, yeah. Point, right, yeah. So at least on that very day, they think yeah. that. When has it gone wrong? Um, I've been so lucky in that it has, hasn't gone wrong. There's one story I have, because every bride asks this, when, and all the bridesmaids, when I'm like doing their hair and we're chatting and they're eating and drinking, you know, we go through this story and they're like, what? Uh, But by and large, everyone is so cool and amazing. And yeah, you're stressed out, but I would be stressed out too, you know? Mm. And and it's usually if things are going wrong, it's with another entity, like, you know, the caterer or something happened with the flowers. The in-laws. Yeah. It's always family stuff too. Um, But this one time, um, one of my colleagues her grandmother passed away. And so I had to, f- I told her I would fill in for her at this wedding because you got to be there. You got to be at her funeral. Um, but I had had a wedding scheduled already that afternoon for almost a year because these things you book out years, like a year in advance, essentially. Um, so I, I had a chat with her and I said, just make sure your bride isn't running late because I'm on this, like, if I run even five minutes late, that's going to domino effect into me being late to my next wedding. And I can't, I can't do that. We have to be on time. Everything runs on time. Um, so I show up to the venue, which is like 45 minutes outside of Austin. I've never met this bride before either. And they're 45 minutes late. And I'm sitting there just like having a panic attack and texting her uh, and trying to call her and just saying, just so you know, we might have to cut down on a service. Or we might have to exclude like some lashes or some other extra things because I do have to, uh, you know, be out of here by such and such time. But don't worry. We'll get you done. You'll look great. Like I still wanted to reassure her. <laughs> 
And she shows up, and they all show up 45 minutes late, and I try to go up to her and talk to her. And she looks at me, and she's like, um, I'm not speaking to anyone today. You can talk to my planner, and just walks off. And I was like, okay, you don't even want to talk to me about what your makeup's going to look like? Because I'm <laughs> doing it. Um yeah, it wow. was just attitude, and her bridesmaids were, like, apologizing, like, we're so sorry, and she went around and asked everyone if they wanted a drink, except for me, and asked everyone, like, and all the other stylists and stuff, like, personally, if they needed something, except for me, um, and... Uh, her friends were like, she's not a bridezilla. She's just a zilla in life. Oh, and I was wow. like, oh, okay. Whoa. Well, there's nothing I can do about that. <laughs> but I did my job and I got everyone done, even though they were 45 minutes late. And I hustled out and I got to my next wedding. So that's the worst, Ugh. though. Just people being rude and acting like you're there to serve them instead of, you know, we're we're working together on this yeah. thing. Yeah. All right. So then you decide to go to college. Yeah, I didn't really decide to go to college. I thought uh, I have some free time because weddings are mainly on weekends and I'm working a lot in the evenings too. And I thought I have some free time. I'm really good at this whole running my own business thing. So why can't I be really good at doing at college or at going to school, right? And I thought I'm just going to take a few classes here and there and see how it goes. Maybe I'll get my associates. Who knows? Uh, so I go back to college and I take some intro classes like government. Um, and I remember I fell in love with my government class. And that kind of changed things in my head a little. Chris Sego still teaches at ACC. Great professor. He's UT alumni. What was, about, what was it about the class? Or um, his energy and his spirit and his love for political science and just how fascinating he thought everything was and how it was that fascinating. <laughs> you know, he made me see what he saw in mm. these subjects and these topics. Um and he just kind of like empowered us all to be dutiful citizens, you know, to do our part, um, to register to vote, to get out and vote, to volunteer in our communities. So just do a little bit more, like be be a citizen, essentially. Mm. Um, and that was the first time I ever like had that thought like, oh, I'm a part of this. I'm invest like I should be invested in this thing called like the Great American Experiment, you know. Mm. Like I, these are, these are my communities. This is something that affects me, whether I want to believe it does or not. So, um, yeah, I start taking other classes and I start getting all A's, and I'm like, what? Turns out, <laughs> this is the first time. Yeah, <laughs> turns out I'm good at school. So that A in psych, the first run, mm -hmm. right? And then you had some other grades that weren't A's, but then now you're on a tear. Yeah. And now I'm loving what I'm learning. I'm going home and I'm not saying like, oh, this is so boring. Why do I have to learn this? I'm saying like, wow, this is really interesting. I can't believe that happened. I can't believe I didn't know this. Or like, hmm, hmm this is tied to that. How interesting. You know, and I started doing my own research on the side and reading books and really just starting to see like these forces that were interconnected that affected my life and shaped me that I didn't even really know what to call, what to call them before. I didn't have a name for them. There was something there, but because I couldn't explain it, maybe I just didn't think about it. And so now these things are starting to come to life before me. And I'm just, I'm curious with just, I'm insatiable curiosity. Hmm. How old are you then? Oh, I don't even know. <laughs> um, it's really hard, the timetables. Maybe, so that was six years ago. I went back in 2012. Okay. So it's around 2012. So you're liking college and you're liking the content, you're loving your classes. Is anyone else 
I mean, is this a solo ride for you in the sense of this is something you really want to do going back to college? Yeah. Are so, people are people weighing in, supporting you, not supporting you? I um, there was an event that kind of like catalyzed me saying, like, I need to live a good life. This needs to be better. So um, I guess I skipped a couple of parts here. But my best friend passed away when we were in Miami. That's who this tattoo is for. It's a mm. rose tattoo. Um, when we were in Miami, and she was the person that I was going to be like this hair and makeup star with, right? She was a photographer. So we like did all these shoots together. It was crazy fun and cool. And we were there for a fashion show. And it was very unexpected. She passed away from sepsis mm. uh, that she got from an infection. And so after that... Um, I really started to reevaluate what my life was all about and what I wanted out of it. And uh, my only thought was like, I have to be better. Like this has to be better. I I can't just wander around through life anymore. And I had already been starting my own hair and makeup thing. So it felt good, but I just felt like this like really changes a lot of things. And so after that, I thought what I needed out of that change, out of that, that moment was to move away. So I moved to New York with $2,000 in my bank account and a one-way ticket. And I crashed on my friend's couch for a month. Um, she was incredible for letting me stay there. But I wanted to honor that I will only be here for a month. I will not be here one day longer. So I had a really rough time in New York. But it was like such a roller coaster, high-low. Um, I worked with a celebrity hairstylist and would do like fashion week. And one day we'd be in middle Manhattan uh, doing like a Maybelline Asia commercial and like, you know, there's craft service and just like everything. And then the next day I like wouldn't even have enough money to take the train home and I'd have to like jump over the rail to get home um, because it was just it was that was another moment in my life where everything was very insecure. You know, like I subletted in two places after staying with my friend and one was only for two weeks in Jersey City and it took me like an hour and a half to get to work every morning uh, because it's even though it's so close it's so far in New York Um, but yeah so being in Jersey City and then going to Queens and then also this this incredible highs and these incredible lows because you're alone in a city of millions Um, And so that really shaped me, too. And I started to evaluate, what do I want, really? And I really wanted to come back home. So I came back home. All right, Tribe, stay tuned for next week's release of part two of the Zoraima Palaya story here on A Tribe Called Yes. Yes. 